The hotel wanted to offer you some complimentary coconut cake. It's definitely from the hotel. Definitely not from me, personally. Welcome in to the Bro 4 Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 173, and I'm your host, the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. Thank you so much for checking us out. And before we get started with the movie discussion tonight, let's go around and meet the fellow bros. We begin in the paint with our enforcer, Matt Geiger. Matt, can you help me type up a really passive-aggressive email ending to uh, some coworker that I have that I know for a fact, without concrete evidence, stole my lunch from a break room fridge? Absolutely. Just say, to whom it may concern, in parentheses, Doug, why are you such a bitch? I'm going to kill you. And then just have your email signature at the bottom. You should be good. Yeah, as your lawyer, I'm going to say, don't do that. Why? Just BBC him. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Just got to present it directly to him. (laughs) Little bitch Doug, or I guess you prefer Douglas to try to sound more... And then you just say, I got hacked. That's a good... That's that's actually fucking genius. It's better than pleading the fifth, saying you got hacked. That voice you just heard... It's like the the 2021 version of pleading the fifth, you got hacked. Oh. Yeah, that's the, this is how our founding fathers envisioned the, the Bill of Rights. So when HR calls you in, just say, I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to be positive on the future. And they're like, you set up this meeting. This is Cycly 2.0. <laughs> uh, speaking of Cycly 2.0, that is the voice of Ronnie Cycly, our legal counsel. Now, Ronnie, is it within my legal rights to tell my next door neighbor who won't turn off his fucking spotlight at night that shines into my window that there will be consequences? Yeah, what you need to do is get on your uh, Nextdoor app or your Facebook neighborhood group and just write comments on that and just see if you get some backing from the from the other neighbors. And then from there, you guys can uh, get your pitchforks and uh, march on over to the neighbor's house and nothing like an angry mob to make someone change. You know, living in the suburbs, that is the sole use we have of pitchforks. There's actually not hay that we have to tend to. So it is used strictly for community mobs. Absolutely. I mean, as opposed, I mean, it's much better suited for community mobs. It really doesn't do much for a hay bale. Those things weigh like a thousand pounds. Yeah, that's why you come to the Bro Force Squad for agriculture advice. All right. Well, here on the show, we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. And today we're actually playing a game that is a surprise to the other two bros, but we have done this once before. And that is the box office game that we often play with uh, certain actors or directors. I guess we could even do genres if we wanted to. And today, in honor of the release of Uncharted in a few weeks, we are going to do the Mark Wahlberg box office game. So we have done the Mark Wahlberg brothology, which was essentially, I think, Matt, you were on this episode. I don't know if you were cycling, where we went through Mark Wahlberg's career trajectory, like all the highlights, the lowlights. The arrests, the drug use, uh, pain and gain, Ted, things like that. Uh, And so I thought this would be a nice sort of follow-up to that to do the box office game for Mark Wahlberg. And here's how the game works. I've given the bros a list. I took off like all the really small projects that have no chance of being on here. Of every movie Mark Wahlberg has ever been in significantly enough to get credit for the box office results of. You have to guess the top five movies he's ever been in at the box office from that list, and you get three strikes. So, again, essentially, 
three misses. If you are not able to successfully identify the five movies at the box office, I get both of your cars. Okay. Well, joke's on you. My car isn't running Cause, right now. Because, so. Matt, as you know, we only play for pink slips. Right. Fast and Furious rules. So top five grossing Mark Wahlberg. Because everyone knows they have their pink slip handy with them every time. They do That's it. what I want. Like, do I drive to work with that in my glove compartment? I don't even know where mine's at. I Like, they didn't give me a pink slip when I bought my Malibu. I'll tell you this. Whatever I have that shows ownership in my car, it's definitely not pink. Like, it's some other color. So I, I don't know if that's going to be a problem. Um, all right. Any questions before we get started? Wait. So I might have missed it. Do we have to get this in order? Uh, when you guess one, I will tell you where it ranks on his uh, top five of all time. And so the sh- Google Sheets that I sent you with all the movies, if you want, when you mark one wrong as a strike, you can either erase it or okay. do whatever you want. But I will tell you where it ranks. So you don't have to necessarily guess them in order, but. Okay. Uh, okay. I got it. Yeah. It should be able to help. Shit kind of- on Marky Mark, who is a bro. I mean, he he would fit right in with us. I will have to say he is a lot like me at my job. You know, if each movie was a, you know, maybe a sales quarter, one of them I'm going to try really hard and possibly like win an Oscar. And the next one I'm going to you know, <laughs> basically just the happening it pretty much. It's like, you well, know, that's just like I'm, the- I'm here. You know, I, I'm going to do enough not to get fired, but if you expect any more from me, I mean, just look at last quarter. That should at least get me to Christmas, right? I mean, the movies do it, like, right? Like, overall, the fiscal year, the fourth quarter is always when you right. put in the good stuff. Yeah. You're in bonus Oscar Oscar season. I'm going to, you know, buck up a little bit here. Yeah, Matt, we've all seen Salesman Sandbag, you know? It's it's kind of like Shaq. We're playing our way into shape throughout the season. And then once the playoffs get, you know, we'll, we'll be ready. Don't worry. I used to love that line, playing my way into shape. <laughs> so you didn't do shit in Austin. softball. Zion Williamson should try it. <laughs> For real. All right. Uh, let us begin. The Mark Wahlberg box wow. office game. So obviously, as it gets more down to the end, you guys are going to have to uh, probably huddle up a little bit more than you do now. Not but huddling up with him. Is there anything on his list that jumps off that you say, all right, I'm very confident that this is has a spot in the top five? I, I think I have. Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. And I think I took this. What's the what's the oldest film I have on here for him? Is it Three Kings with George Clooney? Probably. I mean, Fear's not on here or uh, Boogie Nights or anything like that. Yeah, those were like shockingly, I guess Fear not so much, but... I was going to say, you know, The Fighter would be up there, but it was such a, you know... Yeah, I don't know about The Fighter. I was looking... I think it's almost like where he's really good might not be in the top five. Right, and like Transformers, though, would be like huge, like... That's where I'm like, I'm I'm leaning towards those, so if you want to start with one... Which one would you like to start with, if you want to start with one? Would you like me to start, Matt? Go ahead. Okay, I I can't remember the order of the Transformer movies because I'm not a big fan. Love wow. the first one. Um, He's in uh, like the third one. Piss. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but I think well, obviously there's an option for two here. I think if I recall correctly, Age of Extinction was like the bigger one, so I'm gonna go with Age of Extinction. Okay, that is his number one movie of Fuck all time. Yeah, which is really what sick. the. Transformers uh, Age of Extinction, and it's gross. Stupid. I'm updating the Google sh- or the show notes. 
1.1 billion dollars. That is so stupid. This is worldwide. All the movies right? on that list. Worldwide gross. The only okay. Mark Wahlberg movie. That's ever not our fault. Played. That's like China and stuff's fault. Who think yeah. these movies are good? <laughs> That's ter- like again. Why are his best acting movies not on that number one? I yeah. hate it saying. Matt's like, there's a lot wrong with our country, but we really don't go see Transformers movies. Not very much of us. That's way more like overseas. That's why Cena had to apologize because he's like, dude, this is where I'm going to be. I mean, come on. Yeah, Age of Extinction. And between, I've seen both of the ones he's in. This one's actually not that bad. This is the one with TJ Miller. Not that that's like a selling point for anybody, but I find him sort of funny when he's not threatening. I like TJ Miller. Yeah, when he's not threatening to blow up airports, I think he's enjoyable. All right, so you, you actually got the find it more one. enjoyable when he threatens the you know blow up airports, but that's yeah, just me. I thought that was weird when you said that. All right, good job. Age of Extinction, number one, and the only film he has that grossed over a billion dollars. Which again, that's a huge threshold, but a little bit surprising just because obviously he's such a big actor. Do you want me to name some of the movies we're looking at so the people at home know? Yeah, that'd be good. Okay, I'm looking at Scoob, Instant Family, Daddy's Home 2, Transformers, The Last Night, Patriot's Day, Deepwater Horizon, Daddy's Home, Ted 2, Entourage, The Gambler, uh, Transformers, that we just said, uh, Lone Survivor, Two Guns, Pain and Gain, Ted, The Fighter, The Other Guys, Date Night, The Lonely Bones, The Happening, Shooter, The Departed, Invincible, Four Brothers, The Italian Job, Rockstar, Planet of the Apes, The Perfect Storm, and Three Kings. Those are the movies that we're looking at. Um, so well you didn't done. See it all, I don't know. Fucking rewind it and play it slower. <laughs> yeah, I, again, I took out the movies that were like, not even close. I haven't heard of. I'm assuming if you're listening to this movie podcast, you've heard of or seen most. I love that you put Entourage that he's in literally probably for five minutes. <clears throat> I give him credit for it too because he's the. Critic. Well, he's yeah, he's like a producer, big part of behind the scenes. All right, so it's my turn. Yeah, but I guess you know you guys can confer. You don't have to. All right. Cycling, I'm looking at the other Transformers because, I mean, should we just ride the wave? Um, I, 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 yeah, because Transformers. Should we play it back, as they money. say? They all made stupid money. Yeah. It's going to be in the top five. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the low hanging fruit. And that's Transformers the last night. Yeah, that is his number two movie. Okay. I think it gets harder from here. It definitely does at $602 million, And I will say that movie, even for a Transformers movie, is awful. For si- it's still got six hundred and two million. And Matt, this is the oh one with um, this yeah, is the one with Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Talk I about literally, I think really the first one in good movies. I'll say I've seen. I haven't seen it like start to finish, but I've seen it. I've seen every scene. If that makes sense. Yeah. The weird thing is, this made six hundred and two million, and. Age of Extinction made $1.1 billion. So people, I guess people really in the United States did not give a fuck about this one. But these those movies have such high budgets. But it's funny because $602 million is still amazing. Oh, it's incredible. Comparatively, like, like I guarantee you they want to make another one with him. Anthony Hopkins is so funny to me because he's such an incredible, legendary actor. And then if you really look at his IMDb, he he's in everything. Yeah, he he'll take a paycheck. Stupidest stuff. A lot of these movies, you got to think of like Transformers, like the following. I'm not saying that people liked it. It's just such a big following, and it casts such a big net. That I don't get people it. We're gonna see it at least once. The first one was great, but really, why? It, no, this is a whole different. The discussion. thing I don't get about these movies is like, 
okay, they're popcorn flicks, and I have fun with them, but they're, like, Transformers The Last Night is two hours and 34 minutes. Jesus. Like, you can't take kids to that, you know? All right, so we, we've guessed one and two. Yeah, you got the top two. But I like, think it gets like harder said, from here. This is where things get a little bit dicier. I, I mean, what I'm looking at in one of the top five, Cycli, I mean, The Departed with that cast. I remember when that came out. I, 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 I was leaning to The Departed. Or The Fighter, because I, mean, I, I remember that that was in production hell for a while. You had Christian Bale basically coming off. Yeah, but The Fighters is, it's it one is of those movies. It is, it is, but it's one of those movies that I don't think does convert to the box office. I don't, yeah, because it's not like Rocky, it's not like Poppy, it's really almost indie feel. And and think of it when that came out, I'm pretty sure that came out in a, like a November, December Oscar run. Hmm. And when those come Departed, out. Departed though, I mean, you have Leo and I'm Matt with Damon. And I'll go Departed next. Okay, yeah, that's gotta be, I, I would think it's like number five. One best movie, and just outside of that, is an incredible movie. Mark Wahlberg's character is, is probably one, one of my, my favorite. Top 10 movies. I love the Departed. Yeah. yeah, it's probably his my favorite role of his. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to Departed. Are you a okay. cop? I'm not a cop. His character is a huge is just an absolute scene stealer in this. When he just walks by flipping Matt Damon off, <laughs> no, he doesn't even need to say anything. We've all had coworkers we wanted to do that too. So the Departed, that's a guess. Yeah. yeah. All right, that is surprisingly not in his top five. What the fuck is wrong with people? Both yeah. Transformers movies, but and not with a the lot Departed. of these, and I would have said this with the Departed too. Uh, even like late surges in terms of word of mouth, like Matt said, when that was getting a big Oscar push, kind of like us with Parasite, that's when everybody goes out to see it. But still, I just thought the cast how, at the very first would have driven. How people. much did the Departed get? Uh, I have it a good one best fucking movie. That cast is insane. The Departed grossed $289 million. God, I feel like Russell Crowe, like, are you not entertained? How can well, you give a movie and actually, like that? I feel bad saying this, but The Departed is actually number six. Okay. Uh, on his list. I, so you're, this uh, is, yeah, but still, moments like this are where I really doubt society. Ted was big. It came out during Christmas. It's a comedy, though, but I'm looking at Perfect Storm, even Planet of the Apes or The Italian Job. Uh, I, yeah, I don't. Baby I Invincible because I think that came out during Christmas. Football movie too. It's I think it's a football, football movie. movie during Christmas, and it's about you know the stupid. No one gave a fuck about that Eagles team. No one even heard <laughs> it, but it's like, oh, it's a feel good. It's like a Kurt Warner story. That I actually have not seen there. Invincible. I'm not proud Such of it. An FX movie. Can we just say that Scoob obviously is so high up, it's not even considered in the, any of this. Mm, mm. I won like, what, like $4 billion? So, Jeff's kind of perked up when I said Invincible. I'm, cycling, right, I'm go positive that came out during Christmas. I'm with you, man. Go for it. All right, let's do Invincible. Invincible is not on there, and it's like in the 20s for him. It what? Grows. I can't believe you said that. I said not the 58, dude. Oh Invincible. Now, Matt, this makes sense because it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Grossed 694,000 internationally. <laughs> yeah, because who the fuck would watch oh, it? Okay, yeah, we got to think movie. China's not going to see a yeah, movie. Yeah, damn. Didn't think about that. But Same it, with probably The Departed. Invincible did gross 57.8 million uh, domestically. What's a stupid-ass movie that's terrible that the Chinese would see. I'm thinking Planet I, I, Okay, I'm going to go with Ted, not because it's a stupid movie, but it, it is a comedy that I think would f fix everywhere. And, and did it come around Christmas time? 
but it's probably blackballed in China, and that's where like they make yeah, a that would that would get played in China. All right, least, like some Paul. No, they'll they'll just edit it. I'll go Ted just because that was a. I don't know. I, if, it, if the part is not on there, maybe Ted's not. But it was a big movie. No, it, it was, was a big hit. It was the comedy of the year. It was Matt the and I loved Ted. This time. I remember yeah, everyone no. was asking for it for Christmas and stuff. I, I'm gonna go Ted. All right, Ted is number three. What? In his list. It's Ted? number three. Yeah. I was Ted. I was thinking five at best. <laughs> Ted grossed five hundred and fifty-six million, three hundred thirty-seven of that internationally. And I'll say this, typically in this game, uh, if anything gets a sequel, it's usually a good sign that the first one did. That's a good point. But Matt and I... Scoob to Electric Boogaloo. When Ted came out, I think Matt and I just quoted it almost nonstop for like two years. Why the fuck would he say that? There's not a three gun, so... I don't know why he said two years, you still quote it. Yeah. Dude, three guns totally would have been the name of that sequel. (laughs) Anthony Hopkins is the third gun because, you know... He'll do it. Oh, but now now that I'm looking at his list, don't take that what I said as like definite advice. I don't want to like fuck you well, up. Well now I feel oh, like you're nervous about it again. That was on TV a lot. I it's a good movie. I think what's hard with him is his four and five are like I I gotta I don't I don't know much. I mean shooter, I don't think it would be, but man, I'm not gonna hold you back. Well, that's very supportive. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's Daddy's Home. I don't think this. I don't. What I about personally don't think Shooter Day? That's that kind of Passion of the Christy. Like you know, if you're American, <laughs> you gotta fucking see it. Yeah. That's As I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I don't know. I cannot name you one person that's seen it. I know a lot of fucking people. The, but the it just problem seems like that's wasn't that well, just about like the Boston that, Marathon bombing or yeah. was it about nine eleven. It was Boston Marathon bombing. Okay, yeah. well, no one cares. Just about like that, that movie, I feel like some of these came out so early that, like, I mean, again, box office numbers are inflated, right? Like throughout time, and that's yeah. a pretty Patriots and um, what's another movie? Other movie. What about Pain looking? and Gain? Just because The Rock's in it. Pain and Gain was There's Michael. Bay, no right? way, Pain and Gain is top five. I mean, if it, it I, I mean, I absolutely could be wrong. Now, because you're at two strikes, I will help you out. And pain and gain, I will just say, is not in the top 20. Can we get three strikes again? Sorry. Yeah, you get three. How many are we at? You're at two. You've guessed Fuck. The Departed and Invincible. <sighs> Do you think Planet like, of the Apes reboot would get that many people? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. I think so. That was Tim Burton, too, right? Early aughts. That's, let's, yeah. go, let's go with that because once again, it's not how good the movie is. It's what exactly what pub did it have going into the theater? Yeah. Let's do Planet of the Apes. All right, I'm in. Yeah, Planet of the Apes is number four. Holy shit! Have we gotten these in order? You have. That's but so... here's the crazy thing: Planet of the Apes. Now we got a big drop off because Ted was five fifty six million. Planet of the Apes is three sixty two. Okay, but the odds of us getting this in, I mean, but I guess it makes sense. I do remember, Matt, when that movie came out, everybody was like, dude, it's like a darker fucking take on the, like, the apes are just scary as shit. And I was like, okay, I was kind of interested in it. The way Tim Roth looked in the makeup, I was down for. And he he turned down Ocean's Eleven for that movie. Let's not forget. Jesus. We didn't know Tim Burton was a fraud yet at that <laughs> point. We we didn't know he, like, his first album was, like, the only really good songwriting he could do. He didn't yeah. have anything after it. 
that is one of the running like realizations of the pod is that Tim Burton is actually not that good of a director. <laughs> I, I'm thinking the perfect storm of the Italian job is definitely not Rockstar. Ooh. I don't think it's Three Kings. Uh, you don't think? See, I'm like worried because Daddy's Home is a stupid ass movie, but you know I, I mean. Yeah, but that's that's a comedy, but that's not like. I don't know, man. There's I, Daddy's I Home too. This, this isn't too big of a hint because I don't think you'd stray from this. But one of the movies you just mentioned is his fifth highest grossing. Oh God, that's 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 too nice of you. You just narrowed it down. <laughs> well, I was gonna like, go with the, it's either The Perfect Storm or The Italian Job, and I think it might be The Italian Job because. See, okay, hold on. The Italian Job again came out pretty early. That's a like what, like twenty year old movie. In the perfect storm, that yeah. was a huge fucking movie. It was like a yeah. cast movie. To me, almost which one was later? Because obviously, movie tickets go up in price. Right? <laughs> like, I, yeah. I would go with the Perfect Storm just because that seems like a movie that you you have to see in theaters because it's like storm and theater experience and stuff. And it's perfect. Okay, well, now you're just saying the title. Yeah, okay, I'm in. I, I, I swear to God, I hope it's not Daddy's Home, but if it is, I'm going to be pissed. It's not Daddy's Home. There's no fucking way. I, dude, do you really have Ferrell too much faith? so off his shit, and that's actually a pretty good movie. Look, I'll say this. It might not be top five, but I bet you anything it's top ten. That was, that's even that was more disgusting. 2005, maybe, but that was when Will Ferrell totally lost his fastball and no one cared. Ugh. All right, let's hear it. Perfect, Perfect Storm. Star. Perfect Storm is number five. You get it right. All right, so the Perfect Storm grossed a total of $328 million, so pretty close to uh, Planet of the Apes. So it's top five in order. Transformers Age of Extinction, $1.1 billion. Transformers The Last Night, $602 million. Ted at $556 million. Planet of the Apes at four, three hundred sixty-two million, and then the Perfect Storm rounds out the top five at three hundred twenty-eight million. And I'm gonna send you another link real quick. So I found this website called Numbers, and it's like is such a good resource to search like actors or directors, and then sort by like the gross of their filmography. So the link I just sent you should be all of his filmography in order from most gross to least. But you guys were right there. Number six is The Departed. Number seven is Daddy's Home. And then All right. See, I knew it was going to be stupid. I. Yeah. That's so dumb. And then, like Matt said, The Italian Job is eight. Can I just say what makes me sad about this? Because Mark Wahlberg is amazing, I think, in some movies. Of his top five, I mean, Perfect Storm was was fine. I think it was good. But Ted was the only one of the five that I'm like, yeah, I'd go watch right now. I, mean, I love Four Brothers. Yeah, me too. Good little flick. You know, it's funny, that movie Joe Bell that he did last year, if you exclude, like, short films, it's his least grossing movie of all time at $1.7 million. What was The Fighter at? The Fighter. It made $129 million. Now, this doesn't number it, but that's one. Two. Oh. No, so that's still pretty low, comparatively. 16th all-time. Behind two guns, hmm. barely. Hmm. Yeah. Goes to show you box office ain't everything, guys. Nope. Uh, I was kind of surprised Date Night was a little was lower. I really like that movie, and I thought it would actually be like a good Date Night movie. What made you think that? I don't know, just a vibe. 
He's something told me that, but the, the, he is That's hilarious true. in it. Where like Steve Carell's like, can you just put a shirt on? Why don't you shirt up and we'll figure out how to get these bad guys? Uh, he yeah, he's had the reason I thought this would be fun aside from Uncharted coming out is outside of those top two, like he has had an interesting career. He kind of does the one for me, one for you methodology where he's like, all right, I'll do sort of more of an artsy film and then. Like, I still like money, so yeah, I'll show up for a Transformers or a Ted 2 or whatever the case may be. And you're saying Transformers isn't artsy? Or you're saying... No, that's artsy the artsy and... one. Yeah, that's it, the artsy okay. one. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine, like, a job where your, like, day-to-day can be so different. Like, w- imagine the process of making, like, Joe Bell versus the process of making Transformers The Last Night with Michael Bay. <laughs> You have to know on set. There's no way you're taking the role as seriously. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, our jobs usually probably aren't that different from one day to the next. Banner's like Michael Bay's blood boy. (laughs) God, Banner would be, like, on that set would be kicked off in ten minutes for, like, sniffing people's jocks. Before we move on to Protein Shake, uh, do either of you guys – I know Banner is probably more the guy to ask because he actually played the video games, but – are either of you guys at all interested in Uncharted with him and Tom Holland coming out in a few weeks, Matt? Oh yeah, I mean, it looks kind of uh, you know Raiders of the Lost Ark ish. Once again, I've never played the games. I don't know what it is, but it looks cool. Yeah, Tom Holland's character is like a young Indiana Jones, and Wahlberg yeah. is like sort of his mentor. Yeah, trailer looks good. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it a shot. Why the fuck not? Cycle, how about you? It's kind of good. I mean, I've actually never played this game. I've seen it advertised a ton. Uh, and it's funny because I, I do play a lot of video games, but we've talked about this on Paul. We talked about it pretty recently. Video game movies are tough to to get a hit out of it. And uh, so maybe for people like us who have not played the game, we can go in and maybe enjoy it a little more. Um, but I don't know. For the most part, in my experience, that a video game movie means negative. So... You know, I'll give it a chance. It's kind of crazy. The two best video game movies of all time, or at least two in the top five that we've ever gotten, probably came out last year in Mortal Kombat and Sonic the Hedgehog. Which is really not saying much. I was going to say, that's the top of the list, or like close to it. Actually, like Tomb Raider? uh, I know you're talking movies, but The Witcher has been extremely popular on Netflix. I forgot that was a video game. I think Tomb Raider was okay. I mean, I don't remember too much, but the Alicia Vikander one or the Jolie one. The Jolie. I don't. I haven't seen the new one, but I remember like people loving the Angelina Jolie ones. It's true. I do think she was great casting as Laura Croft. She definitely looked the part, for sure. All right. Good luck to Mark Wahlberg in his future box office endeavors. I have a feeling if we redo this in like six months, Uncharted will probably be in the top five. But I and it will probably suck because all of his good movies did not make the top five. Except for Ted. Yeah, Ted's probably the, Yeah. I don't mind the perfect storm. I like making fun of. Is it a movie you'd ever watch again? I, I, I remember watching it for the first time and being like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, it's a lot of acting, if you know what I mean. By, There's a storm out there, okay? He's, you're not going to love my kid, are you, Charlie? He's yours, ain't he? Like, he will say whatever he can to bang Diane Lane, and no one blames him. Look, yeah, Diane Lane, he can get it. <laughs> yeah, the original what, MILF. Say what, 
Although, who doesn't watch that movie and be like, I kind of want to go to some shitty Boston Harbor town and just get drunk at a really <laughs> gross dive bar. Dude, we would get our asses kicked, and you know that. Within- <laughs> Is his rise to stardom like the most weirdest of anyone's? I mean, he was yeah. he was going to be on New Kids on the Block with his brother, but he was like in jail or something. So then he had a one hit wonder. Which every like no one like everyone forgets that he was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Like everyone kind of just forgets and thinks he's like an actor. Like my generation, that's you know when he had that song, I was like three. And he's and been arrested for a violent crime. Tough guy actor. Well, you know he's a tough guy because, like I said, he beat the shit out of somebody, right? Wasn't that what he got arrested for? I think so. Yeah. I mean, he's like a tough kid from Boston. The only other act, I mean, very different, but like Matthew McConaughey has a very strange yeah. story. Like the guy wasn't an actor at all. It just like met a guy randomly and was like, oh. I mean, The Rocks is kind of weird, too. I mean, we think yeah, about- but he was he was famous as an athlete. Right. But I mean, who would have thought like, OK, right, yeah. you're going to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like you're a wrestler, like no one's going to take you seriously. Yeah. Like Hulk Hogan was never viewed in movies no. at all as like a legitimate. He's going to get his Oscar. I'm, I will die on that hill. All right, it's gonna happen. The Rock's still... gonna get an Oscar? No, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm still pissed. I was trying to convince Cycle to do a commentary on Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain this past weekend. I, I wasn't against it. It's, it's on. Uh, I saw it the other day. It's on Netflix HBO. or HBO or something. Cycle, your argument was I haven't seen it, so that might be hard for me. Like, what are you gonna be fucking? Conf- well, I, resp- I I follow that up with just read the plot. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, ninjas Hulk take over a bad guy, which makes no sense. Ninjas take over a theme park, and Hulk has to help the three ninjas defeat them. We all know that based on a true story. All right, the second part of our show is our protein shake, where we go around and talk about what is in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. So I actually have seven things, but four of them I'm not really going to talk about. And I think I have two that are crossover with cycling. So, Matt, how many do you have? One, two, five. Okay. Cycling, how about you? Yeah, I have one, two, three, six, but I, you and I have the same couple. Okay. Um. I guess I'll start then just to get one of mine out of the way. I rewatched, uh, just double checking a few things on my top 100 movies of all time list. Uh, one of my favorite movies, 500 Days of Summer. It was on Hulu. And I think every time I uh, rewatch a movie now, no matter where it's at on my all time rankings list, I'm not going to I'm not going to allow myself to move a film up or down unless I rewatch it. I think that's a fair rule. And let me just say that 500 Days of Summer did not move after I watched it. I will talk about it. Were you expecting it to go up or down if you had had a theory? Mm. Like going into the second showing or whatever. I think I was was. expecting it to go down, to be honest. That's good for a rom-com. Yeah. I've seen it a lot, too. So it's like there's really not much that is like that I think I'll gain again with rewatching it. But – I think it's just I'll talk about it more whenever I mention it in my top 100 list. But I typically don't like Joseph Gordon-Levitt and really don't like Zoe Deschanel. So the fact that I like this movie as much as I do is <laughs> very much a surprise to me and a testament to Mark Webb. And I wish his second Amazing Spider-Man movie was better because I think this movie is really, really good. Uh, Matt, what have you seen lately? OK, 
Okay, I'll kick it off with something I watched on HBO Max twice. I forgot how great this movie is. Sports movie, football movie, and you probably both are like thinking of one, and it's probably oh, not the garbage picking, field goal kicking Philadelphia phenomenon. No, it's not the Tony Dan. Damn it! <laughs> uh, any given Sunday. Oh yeah, dude, I haven't seen this movie in a while, and you have to watch it on HBO or something like that. This cast is fantastic. I forget is uh, Elizabeth Berkley, who's Jesse Spano, plays the prostitute that Pacino hooks up with. <laughs> yeah. It's the inches that so, we need. And then you got uh, fucking Jim Brown as the defensive coordinator. You got uh, the commissioner is some old football dude, too. You got Lawrence Taylor in there. Uh, Jamie Foxx, Trell Owens, Bill Bellamy, LL Cool J, Cameron Diaz. Like, fuck, I mean, Dennis uh, James Wood. Such a fucking great cast, dude. And then... It gets Oliver Stonesy. Like, you know how Oliver Stone, like, in the 90s will have a crazy scene and then you just see, like, gladiators fighting? Or, like, how is this relevant? You're like, well, you just don't get art because that's what Oliver Stone does. But it's badass. It's a great movie. And I will say that real good sports movies, two layers to it. Either funny, kiddie sports movies, like or hardcore badass, you're thinking blue chips, you're thinking this movie, died in the 90s. You can't do it anymore. Like, you can't do these movies fucking anymore. This movie's about concussions, this movie's about drugs, this movie's about hookers, this movie's about the NFL. And you can't do it anymore because the NFL does not want the reputation fuck with. But back then, man, anything went in the 90s. This is a fantastic movie. It was extremely long, but... It was easy to watch. Dennis Quaid plays like the old quarterback that gets hurt, and then fucking mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx takes over. It's a very good film. I will say, as a kid, this was like I think the first sports movie that I remember watching that I was like, oh shit, this isn't like slapstick. Like a dog yeah. isn't going to show up and lead the team <laughs> championship. Like, no. This is a very like more gritty take on because <laughs> they wrote it in the rule book in that movie that a dog can't get on the field. Yeah, they were like, and we learned. And Margaret plays Cameron Diaz's mom who, you know, Elvis fucked in Viva Las Vegas. Like, I mean, this is, cast is insane. It's probably even more insane than JFK. And JFK's cast is fucking insane. Uh-huh. And I love the Sharks logo, but I got to say, the other teams they play in, like, the fake NFL, they look like shit. They look like shit. And honestly, I don't want to pick, but the Miami Sharks make sense. But all black uniforms in Miami on an outside field, like, come on. You're yeah. already at a disadvantage. You'd die. And for at least for me, this was my introduction to Jamie Foxx. Yeah, I don't remember him from anything in this. And this, dude, this movie's, it, it gets you amped. It makes you want to play football. It makes you want to go work out. It makes you, it's just a man's movie. It's a fantastic film. It makes you want to shoot cortisone in your leg if you, like, tear and, your MCL. And Oliver Stone is such a genius. I'm such a fan of a lot of his films, like Natural Born Killers is one of my favorite movies. I love JFK. I love this one. He does a fantastic job in his films. Yeah. And I'm guessing he's retired because I haven't seen anything come out with him for a while. He's not like the old guy yelling at the millennials on their phone for not going to see their movie. So I guess that's good. But I haven't seen a film of his in a really long time. I feel time. like he does one every like eight years. Yeah. I don't remember his last film, honestly. Double you. Probably right. I remember. It w. looks like he he was in a documentary, Matt. Which you you might want to check this out. Uh, 
on the making of JFK, or maybe the assassination is called JFK. Yeah, I've seen some of it, and I listened to, uh, he was on Rogan talking about it, and is it any he's good? a JFK fanatic, and he knows a lot of stuff about it, and it's it's extremely, you know, interesting, for sure, what Dude, he, 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 like, he took did, into that film. He did Wall Street? I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Did, did he do the second one, too, The Money oh. Never Sleeps? I don't think so. I think his last film was Snowden in 2016 with oh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Which that makes sense. I hated Joseph Gordon-Levitt's accent in that. Oh, my God. That was a good film, though. I'll have to say, you know, the act... We don't like Levitt on this for a lot of reasons. Uh, but, dude, Stone's filmography... You know, we talk about Burton kind of fizzling out, but Stone, when he comes out with something, it's like, I'm like, all right, I'm still interested in this, even though you're kind of a 90s guy. Dude, he was a fucking savage in the mid to late eighties. Like also a fantastic movie. Oh my god. Yeah, and then he also did Platoon, Scarface, Platoon. Born on the Fourth of July, obviously Wall Street. Where's there's one he did in? Uh, it's just, it's just a movie you just you want to you know, drink a lot and snort some blow and just order a hooker. And, uh, and I'm, yeah. that movie experience and that is a man's movie right there the classical movie experience the way I was raised that's what I'm like when I watch Little Mermaid good stuff Oliver Stone stay hard <laughs> alright Cycling what have you seen Um. alright finished Dexter New Blood talk to banners about it can I go spoilers or no Um. sure if you because it's I, been a couple weeks now. I don't think I'm going to watch it. If you don't want spoilers, skip ahead. We'll say a minute and a half. Yeah. After 30 seconds forward thing. Like. <laughs> All right. So um, I think I've been on record on the pod and, and Banner was too, that we really were enjoying the season. And if you listened to the last time I was on about two or three weeks ago, it was leading up to the last episode. And I made a comment. I go, you know, I feel like there's not enough time. Uh, they need a couple more episodes. I'm afraid they're going to rush it. Well, I watched the last episode, and I am furious. It was terrible. Um, they did nothing to fix what they fucked up 10 years ago. And honestly, I'm more mad because they had 10 years to do it right. So it, it's there's not even an excuse here. I, I can understand someone saying, oh, I enjoyed the new season. It was nice to have it back. I'm with you. Absolutely with you. Great to see Michael C. Hall play one of the iconic characters. But you cannot convince me, and here's where I'll go into spoilers, that the way they caught, quote-unquote, caught Dexter is the most absurd way of all time. It's the most bullshit excuse to arrest a guy with no actual evidence, all circumstantial, anything any you know $5 lawyer will be able to get him out of. And instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to fight the case, Dexter decides to kill uh, innocent cops – which solidifies his guilt and Jeez. escape. And of course, you know, you have the end again, spoilers where he gets killed by his son. Fine ending. I'm okay with that on the surface, but again, it's the manner in which they did it. Really. You can't have Dexter either get killed by his son in the manner in which Dexter's killed hundreds of people. How symbolic would that have been for Dexter to realize what he did and be punished for what he did or have him get caught for the merit of what he did? But no, after 10 years of waiting for them to correct what they fucked up, they just shit on the fans again. You always want to have faith that the writers 
are going to do it right. They say they have a story to tell, and that's why they're bringing it back. You get excited like you would get with Matrix. You're like, why would they be coming back if they didn't have something good? And then you put your time into it, and then you're just like, seriously? What the fuck was their problem? What did I do to you? So, Dexter Newblood, you can go fuck yourself. I enjoyed nine of the ten episodes. <laughs> I think we're learning the hard way that, like, just because something comes back after a time away, they don't necessarily have an idea. Case in point, Spiral. Case in point, Matrix. Now, case in point, Dexter. Like, yeah. the innocence in me that says, like, ooh, well, they must have something yeah. to bring it back. No, you know what they have? A fucking empty bank account. That's what they have. Yeah, it's showtime. They needed people to come back. And again, I'm I enjoyed it for the people. I'm mad because I don't mind the, if you told me, hey, Dexter dies at the end. I'm all in. That's fine. But having him get arrested because his house was burned down and there was a random screw that the cop found in his property that could have obviously been planted, which was. But it's just like they just there's no respect to the story. Like a two bit cop catches him. And in eight years of Miami Metro and the FBI, no hint, not even anything close to arresting him. You know, like, I don't know. I'm going to go off on a tangent. I'll stop. Dexter Newblood really made me upset. <laughs> so let me ask this. Are you angrier now than you were at the original finale? Or are you at the point where, like, well, you hurt me before. I wasn't really expecting I, I might be more angry than the original finale. Wow. And... And that's not to say that this isn't a better ending. I do like this ending better than the original finale. What I will say about the original finale is that we were on a downward slope already. So it, my faith had already been lost. I was kind of finishing the show to finish the show at that point, right? I had put in eight years. But for you to tell me you're coming back after 10 years, to and, and you tell the fans we understand that that was done wrong, that's why it hurts more. <laughs> like redoing The Last Jedi, and you're like, well, fuck, this is worse. Yeah, like, can you imagine if Brian Johnson apologized? And I was like, guys, I fixed it. I fixed everything you hated. Like, listen, I, I fixed it. We're like, dude, no, this is worse. Like, literally, he's like, okay, so now you understand the brilliance of The Last Jedi. It wasn't that bad. I'm like, well, that's just because yeah. you made a worse movie. Right. That's, it's like... You don't want to ever think that world is possible. Like, I never thought Dexter's ending could have made me more mad, but they did it. So, again, not to say I didn't enjoy I'm glad it came back. I enjoyed the ride. It just, I just don't get what these writers are about. Was Banner as mad as you were? No. (laughs) He, he, he. Yeah, go ahead. he, He wasn't, like, in love with the ending, but he definitely didn't. He seemed a little more upbeat about it. I will say it's grown on me how much I hated it, but we both agreed we didn't we liked the idea of what happened to Dexter. Like that's not the problem. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry, I still I'm might... getting angry. It's okay. This is a safe place. <clears throat> All right, I I have one that Cycling and I both watched, and we actually did a review on it. And Matt, I don't know if you've heard it, but this is I believe the first time we've had our wives on the podcast. Um. And it is a doozy. And that is the new Scream that just came out. 2022 version of Scream. We're calling these requels now, I guess. Yep. Like legacy reboot sequels. I would love to hear about this as a Scream fan. And still, me and Banner were so drunk, we're not really sure if we ever did a commentary on it. I guess we could look it up on our own podcast page. If you did, it's not on our channel. I don't have it. It's. I'm pretty sure we did it. It's on our channel. We did a review. I know that. So... Um, what screams does this include? Obviously, one. 
All of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And cycling, I'll let you speak, but I loved it. I mean, this is, for me, it's right up there with the original. It, it's just perfectly executed. Great twists and turns. So many, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudges to the genre that are being, like, which is what made the first Scream so great. And, like, some, maybe the most brutal kills we've ever seen from Ghostface, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and perfect to follow up to Dexter Newblood. Waited 10 years for the, the next Scream installment. And complete opposite reaction. These writers had, well, maybe it wasn't 10 years, however long it was. But still, um, these writers knocked it out of the park. I mean, you don't even have to be a horror fan, as, as uh, Hornacek's wife pointed out. Like, she loved this movie. This movie hits everything you needed to, if you're a horror fan or if you're just wanting to see an entertaining movie, entertaining movie. It has the jump scares. It has the comedy that Scream's known for. It has the meta-ness that no movie franchise is able to accomplish. Um, and, and it did it in a compelling way. Like, right? Like, that's the tough part about horror. Yeah. That's why horror can go down a bad road. It's because it's tough to tell a good story. So, I mean, we walked out of there just... Like, honestly, just loving it. Yeah. I will say you have to go rewatch the first Scream, I think, before you see this. You can probably get away without seeing the others, but there are some essential elements from the first film that you need to, to know. And the first one I know, like, back of my hand. The other ones, I can't remember at all. Yeah. Geiger, I think you would love this movie. I love the first Scream. And yeah, I'll watch it. the other ones. Just, But on Halloween, that's like a must-watch for me in the month of October. You You need to see this movie. No, so, I almost went the other day, but then I don't think we can find a sitter. Yeah. Take the baby. <laughs> Traumatize him. It's fine. Uh, I, the, his first movie is going to be Pattinson's Batman. So he does. <laughs> that's that's hell yes. <laughs> Three hours later. Um, <laughs> I'll just get one other one out of the way because it's a good follow up to that. And Cyclone, I also watched it together when I visited him two weekends ago. And that's Scream 2, which I saw for the first time. And I don't know if I just had, like, fucking scream goggles on, but I fucking love this movie also. Mm-hmm. Um, Geiger, have you, seen, have you seen the second one? I think you just said that. I wasn't really remembering. I, I've, yeah, of course. I don't remember the details of that as much as I do the first one, but yeah. This is the one Michael Scott quotes where he's like, no, I feel like Nev Campbell in Scream too. She just wants to go off to college and hang out with her friend, but she can't. <laughs> the killer follows her. <laughs> And, you know, the whole time you're trying to, like, guess the twist and the movie's, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudging you. And I thought they did a great job. It's, it is kind of good fodder for humor, and Deadpool 2 did a great job of this. If a, in a meta-type movie, you can point out the fact that you're in a sequel a lot in the, in the first sequel, which is always fun. Um, is this and, from MTV Studios, this new one? That's a, you're saying about the TV show. No, no, no. There's a the TV show Scream. called Scream on from MTV Studios. No, but the first Scream was in TV, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Is the Scream TV show canon? I believe it's just a different story. Well, but I, I mean, Varsity Blues so was be. in TV. That was like MTV Studios. I'm pretty sure Scream was, too. It's possible. I don't think I remember it being like yeah. on the on the screen when it came up. But, I mean, I know you're thinking, but like MTV Studios did a lot of good movies i'm pretty sure they even did like longish yard they're part of that but they did a lot of good movies in the 90s it was uh, dimension films and woods entertainment the first scream yeah the but show... i know mtv did pick up the scream show yeah the show aired for two seasons on mtv it looks like 
And then a third season out. came out on VH1. Years I thought you were going to say VHS. I was like, well, I'm in. Yes, strictly on video, 2019. <laughs> Ballsy, but cheaper. Yeah, so I'll just say Scream 2, I, I am planning on going back. I have, like, my work schedule frees up quite a bit in two weeks. I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and watch uh, 3 and 4 as well. So based on, on you know, I'll, I'll tell you this without spoilers, consensus online is it goes Scream 1, 2, 3 is considered the worst. It kind of, like goes down a valley and goes back up. So they go like Scream 1 and 2 are really well-respected. Scream 4 and 5 are really well-respected. And Scream 3 is kind of just like, okay. Which is really imp- impressive for it to be like, that's as bad as Scream gets. And did Wes Craven do all the first four? All the first four. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, but Matt, if you go see the new one, uh, we'll have to talk about it because I think you'd really, really like it. All right, Matt, what else have you seen? All right, this is a good rabbit hole story. Like, you ever seen just something on the news and it makes you just go down a rabbit hole on YouTube and before you know it, Once you've a week, got yeah. no work done and you've been on YouTube for like six hours? And you look like <laughs> Charlie Day from It's yeah. Always Sunny with all the strings like connecting the photos. So I have an idea <laughs> that I have a question for you guys. For one, MLB um, calling voting. And, you know, Bonds and Clemens didn't get in, the whole steroid scandal and stuff. So that brought me down a rabbit hole of, for one, they need to do like a the Jordan Bulls, like they need to do a 10-part docuseries of from the lockout to like Bonds' Balco's, thing, like everything. Like every, like Ryan Braun, A-Rod, Bonds, Sosa, McGuire, Canseco, I want like everything. Yes. Uh, like a 10 part like because there's so much to it like biogenesis i mean that was just a rod and Braun and like milky cabrera and those guys manny then you got balco with bonds you got canseco who basically just did his own fucking thing and then you know ran through texas rangers and oakland a's mcguire and all that stuff i would love to see that the one thing i watched um i'll say i watched a lot of stuff but it was a documentary on a and e called jose canseco last shot and I've read Juiced. I haven't read Vindicated, but I read Juiced in high school probably three times. And I love that book. Uh, not necessarily just because of the steroid stuff, but I just thought it was a really good autobiography of his life and how he came up through the minors and everything. And I always think he did himself a disservice saying that basically if it wasn't for steroids, I wouldn't be the player I was. Like, dude, he was he was the best player in baseball in the late eighties, like the fucking best, like period. He was Mike Trout. He was, I was going to say he stole 40 bags in a year, man. Yeah. 40, 40 guy. I mean, he, he was the fucking guy for like three or four years. And, you know, a lot of people was like, well, steroids. I'm like, I don't know, man. He was kind of like Tiger Woods. He brought lifting into the game. He brought strength because that was kind of taboo. You know, no one besides, I would say the only person was Bo Jackson, but he came from football that was actually like, you know, working out with weights. I mean, that helped him too. I mean, obviously steroids helped him as well. The question I have for you guys, like he gets ridiculed in this a lot. I, I can't buy, I like Canseco, but I think he's a con man. I know he's a con man. So whenever you see this documentary, it's like, Oh, poor him, which he does have a shitty life. But a lot of it I think is like, you know, himself doing it to himself. But on steroids, I've never – like he says I get ridiculed all the time. People call me a snitch and a trick. 
I really didn't care that he named names in his book because Major League Baseball basically blackballed him. He's like, you know what? I'll fucking just name names. Fuck you guys. And it, I guess it wasn't fair to McGuire and Pudge and a bunch of people he named because there's a lot of other people that did it too that didn't get named because he, you know, he wasn't the forefront of it. But I've never met anyone that cared about steroids in the game, like a fan of baseball, not someone that just watches the news and they're like, oh, that's terrible. I never watched the game. The other question I have, and I guess it's a statement I want you guys to comment on. I think in five to 10 years, MLB will be lower than Major League Soccer, and it's basically because a lockout's about to happen. And if Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Manny Ramirez, and A-Rod are not in your Hall of Fame, then what the fuck are you doing? And Pete Rose, different reason, but yeah. Yeah. Baseball gets in their own way more than I've ever seen anybody get in their own way. And it's really sad because they have a lot of stars right now, even some like stars from a bunch of different countries, but also English speaking stars that could be studs that they don't promote. They don't know how to promote. They don't know how to, you know, expand to the youth. They don't know how to get out of their own way. Rod Manfred's uh, probably the biggest prick. uh, I mean, even bigger prick than Roger Goodell, but your hall of fame's a joke and you're going to lock out again. I mean, why would people watch this product? Also, I love the sport, but of the four major sports, I guess five, if you want to include hockey, even though it's more of a Canadian sport, it is by far the slowest and most boring. And I love baseball, and I'm saying that. So if you're but talking I can about say like, that as a soccer fan too. I mean, like there's 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 complexity to the games that we love that can be considered boring, right? Like I find soccer exhilarating, but I also understand why someone finds it boring. But to me, it's like everything is like a build up, and baseball is the same way. You're learning every pitch, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Well, I've always told you this cycle. Like, you know, I'm my, I'm obsessed with my baseball team. Like I watch every single game, but I completely get why someone else would watch it and be like, I cannot fucking stand this. I need to. Yeah. Leave. I tell people that's why with soccer, you need the you need to be have a rooting interest. That's why the World Cup is always so popular here in America, right? Like when you're cheering for the U.S., you don't need to know anything else. Like you just have an innate like rooting factor. Right. When you're watching a random soccer game and you have no connection, you don't know anything about these players. Yeah, why would you watch? There's nothing exciting about it. But when you have that community or you know a player, that's why FIFA has been so good, right, with soccer. It's like you have that connection. But we're kind of going off uh, a little bit from what Matt asked. And Matt, I completely agree with you overall. The thing about the funniest thing about, and I'm not as big of a baseball fan, so Hornacek can definitely take this over. But to me, as a as a casual baseball fan who will watch during playoffs and may watch a game here or there, steroids saved baseball. Let's not joke about oh, yes. this, right? Like the late '90s after the original that strike, it was Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Barry Bonds that literally fucking brought them back. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we can talk about how great Jeter was and, and the Yankee teams and other things, but that got butts in the seats and viewers on television faster than anything. So the fact that baseball and we're not talking about PRSB against steroids, I'm not saying, you know, that's that's whatever you want to have your feelings on steroids. But baseball profited off these people and now they're shitting on bonds, let's just say, and not getting in the Hall of Fame. So I'm with you. Have its own. I, I think I said this to Jeff. Have its own wing. Put him in the Hall of Fame, have a wing where you talk about the steroid era, right? Like recognize it and move on. But that, again, casual baseball fan here. Horns, you're the you're the ultimate baseball guy. I mean, I'll say two things because this really pissed me off, this latest Hall of Fame class. Uh, first off, David Ortiz getting in and these guys not is an absolute right. fucking joke. <laughs> yeah, that's the other like, one. 
I, I don't even EVs too. Exactly. I don't even want to hear the argument for that. The second thing is, like, and and I say this as someone who could never hit a baseball. I understand that hardest thing to do in professional sports. One hundred percent. And I understand that. And and you might say like this is a moot point. It's not what we're getting at. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that a Hall of Fame caliber player did not exist in any of these guys prior to steroids then I'll just say you don't understand the intricacies of the sport. Should we look at their numbers with take them with a grain of salt? Absolutely. But you cannot take someone who's just a good athlete, pump them full of steroids, and all of a sudden they can hit a baseball. Yeah. It, it just doesn't work that way. It's not that type of sport. Put a baseball bat in LeBron James' hands, maybe the greatest athlete to ever walk the face of the earth, and he looks like a fucking idiot. Like, it is an entirely skill-based sport. And also, who gives a shit? Cycling texted me this today. He's like, bring him back, bro. I want 100 home runs a season. <laughs> like, one home run a game. Is that too much to ask for? What if, what give if us an baseball just said right now, hey, we're not locking out. Also, there's no drug testing at all. Players are free to do it. I guarantee you people will fucking watch. An all-steroid league? Could you imagine? Bro, season tickets would shoot. I'd go buy them right now. <laughs> It'd be like, I don't know, man. But like Matt said, baseball doesn't understand its product at all. They won't let you retweet highlights from fucking games. You could bring a picture of Mike Trout out on the streets, and I guarantee he's the he's the player in Major League Baseball, I would argue. Maybe Otani. He'd be worse for this case in North America. And I bet 90% of the people I would bump into would have no fucking idea who he is. It, the, the thing that really pisses me off, and then I'll, I'll, we'll go on to something else um, for people that don't give a fuck about baseball, but uh, I hate when, you know, I remember stopping down or I'd be like, you know, working out in the gym at my parents' house. My dad would come and is like, hey, Bonds is about to hit or Griffey's about. I mean, that's what I hate. I hate when people are like, well, it's because of steroids. I'm like, no, I did the Bullshit. same with Griffey hit. I did the yeah. same with Bonds hit in 93. You know, I, you know, it was just because they promoted him. I remember um, that Macaulay Culkin movie that was in my uh, protein shake um, getting even with dad. I mean, Barry Bonds was talked about in that movie because they went to the San Francisco Giants game. King Griffey Jr. was in um, the Little Big Little League. Big League yeah. They actually promoted their athletes. And now you have Mike Trout, who's compared to Mickey Mantle, which you know is a pretty fair comparison, and Shohei Otani that hasn't done anything since – Ever. If you want to go there, the greatest baseball player that ever lived, Babe fucking Ruth, and, and you don't see him anywhere. I don't dude. see him on – commercials i don't see them with their own shoe deal i don't i don't see anything why not fucking promote and i would say the most promotable person is bryce harper he's flashy as fuck what kid wouldn't want to have a bandana you know hitting bp in vegas and everything and but the old crotchety guys matt don't like how he he pimps a home run you know it's such a uh, they need to switch man or they are gonna be way out of the big four i mean they'll be like lucky to be i mean ufc I would think would is making more money than them. I, I don't, I mean, they have a ton of games, but you know what I'm going at here. They're going to yeah. be boxing. They're going to be, boxing. they have to modernize. Yeah. You They're have to modernize. Boxing. Look at what Being it used, a to, be. It used to be fun, but now, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's sad. And to your point, Matt earlier said MLS, like MLS is the one that's actually has gained viewership, but like part of it is too, you're guaranteed it's two hours, right? Like, you're going to get one commercial break for 15 minutes for halftime. Yeah. And the game is two hours, no matter what. 
So there you go. You're talking about college football that takes four and a half hours or a baseball game that takes four and a half hours. People, we have too much to do nowadays. We have, I mean, we have every streaming device at our hands. We have our work and whatever, you know, our social life. There's too much time. People don't want to sit anymore for that long. It used to be, well, we didn't have much to do. I already read the newspaper. I'm going to watch sports for five hours. It's not like that anymore. It's sad, too, because this last year, I thought they really had something with this Field of Dreams game. And then with this lockout now and this Hall of Fame thing, it just always seems like not all publicity is good publicity. I think with steroids was actually good publicity for them. It made this sport more interesting because when A-Rod, like, you know, said, oh, fuck it, I'm not doing that suspension and played Boston, like, everyone watched it that night. You're like, dude, I want to see what, you know, did they throw at him? Are they going to boo him? Yeah. But now it's, you know, it's there's there's no stories. There's no, You don't know anyone at all, which is Just weird. Just like any business, you have, you have to adapt to your times. And, you and some of the best players you have are second-generation talent that a lot of people remember their dads. You got Fernando Tatis, you got Vlad Jr. Yeah. I mean, the whole fucking – Toronto Blue Jays team is like say you got yeah uh, Bichette Bizio's kid, kid is also Dante on there. Bichette's kid yeah crazy cycle I will say one thing you know the soccer game is gonna go ninety minutes unless it's Tunisia versus Mali then it's a little bit shorter eighty five minutes <laughs> man that's a deep because the ref has to be somewhere yeah Google that if you don't know cycle told me this story pretty fucking ridiculous good shit Matt we'll have uh. I need to, what what was the Conseco doc you said you watched? Because I actually Scott, which is a great name for his. And is he involved in it, or is it just like kind of an? It's all about him, and it's about his like he's okay. getting off testosterone for the first time, and his testosterone counts so low, he's like going through depression. He's going, he has yeah. a lot of issues, man. I feel sorry for the guy because if I ever met him, I'd go up to him just like I did Pete Rose in Vegas. I'm like, you know, you know, I played baseball in my life. Like, you're a great ball player. You played the game the right way. And, you know, I, Conseco, dude, I don't care what you said. If, you know, if he gave me hitting tips when I was in high school, I'd listen to the fucking guy because he can hit. Yep. Steroids or not, doesn't matter. He can play. Yeah, he, uh, he's got, he beat the Hall of Fame. I don't, I don't know about that, but the dude could fucking play. And you can't, you can't talk about late 80s baseball without talking about Jose Conseco. Did he's either sure. of you guys watch the Andy Sandberg, like, uh, Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Joe, Mark McGuire. Lo needs to be him, and they need to make a Juice movie. Please, Netflix. That's so Netflix. I know. Absolutely, they do. Great casting. <laughs> All right, Cycle. What else have you Wait, seen? This is a movie podcast. I forgot about that. It was a documentary he watched. That counts. Yeah, no, no, no. I was like, I because I love that conversation because I feel like we could have done that for a long time. The Bros Sports Squad coming soon. Oh shit! I'm in. Sign we have Bro Sports Squad and Bro Fork Squad as our food podcast. <laughs> Fork, yeah, we were talking about our favorite dishes. <laughs> we have subsidiaries now. We're Nate Thurman has actually really wanted to get a Bro Fork Squad starting. I was like, you do it, and I'll, you know, I'll edit it and whatever. And I'll eat the food, obviously. All right, so I, uh, the wife and I started, we've heard good things, so we went back on HBO and watched Righteous Gemstones. Don't know if you if you guys have, have seen that. I, I'm interested. I love Danny McBride, but this one looked even crazy for, like even Eastbound and so, Down at times. I'm like, I can't. They're good things. Yeah, so it's Danny McBride, Adam Devine, John Goodman. Um, so I, if you don't know the premise, I won't spoil anything. So I went all spoilers on Dexter. Uh, the premise is this is a family. John Goodman's like the hierarchy, like 
uh, evangelical pastor. Like a Joel Osment type. Joel, yeah, and like yeah. Uh, so televangelist, and and obviously they're fucking loaded, and they all drive Benzes, and you know they preach, you know about giving to the needy, right? Uh, but so it's funny. One more dicks than I've ever seen on anything. So it just dicks galore. Just I'm now I'm interested. Yeah, now, now I you have had my curiosity. <laughs> now you have my attention. Uh, it, it's what I I think John Goodman's an icon. So I, I mean, just the fact that he did this is awesome. Um, Danny McBride really surprised me, right? Like who I knew Danny McBride as an actor like what ten years ago. The fact that the guy now like directs like horror. The guy like is an executive producer. He's in he it's. His resume is impressive. He strikes me as this kind of like almost like a Seth Rogen to a Will Ferrell type. But he actually like seems like he puts in work, like he does a lot of the back uh, background stuff. So I think the show is hilarious. Um, it, it didn't it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. I won't go too much into it, but I thought it was going to be about a like a, just a very hypocritical family. And it is. But that's not the focal point of the story. So um if you like Adam Devine, or Devine, I don't know how you say it. I think um, I do, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys, like, I loved in... Um, Workaholics. Oh Workaholics. But then I, like, watch his stand-up or other things. I'm like, he's just the same person every single time. Yeah, his line delivery is just exactly, like, he, every single He's one. kind of that in this one, but I like it because he plays a youth pastor. And... It, it, it hits home. Like, any time when you were in middle school and you had to deal with that cool youth pastor... You know, the one you thought was cool. Yeah, it's it's way too close. Like, there were some scenes I was, like, cringing because I was like, I remember feeling that way. Like, I remember yeah. youth group moments Said like this. to you in a backwards chair, just be like, hey, I'm Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. sitting informally like us. Yeah, I'm a he's cool guy. Let's listen There's to what like, he he, he has a youth ministry at, like, one of those, like, uh, jumping gyms or, like, uh, like a jamboree, you know, gym. yeah. And it's so funny. He's doing God. all flips. He's like doing these flips. Jesus gives me the power. I'm like, you laugh and you're like, no, no, no this is real. Like I remember yeah, it, this. <laughs> it's funny because we've actually seen this before. Yeah. So I, I would absolutely say it's a recommend. It's, it's not the greatest show ever, but like, if you're looking for something casual and funny to put on, I, I think Righteous Gemstone is is there for you as long as you're okay with some vulgarness. Did season two is it out in its entirety? Because I know HBO Max. Does no. It. We we literally finished season one and then we're like oh there are three episodes into season two or or four episodes. Okay, are they hour long or like thirty forty minutes? It ranges. I'd say some of them like one or two are like twenty seven and the longest was like forty five or fifty. Oh, wow. Which I like that in shows. Like can I, just really quickly like Netflix has a couple like that. Like like Squid Game was like that. Like let the episode yeah. be the episode. I agree. Ted Lasso is like it. that too. Yeah. Don't force it into a corner. Nice. Um, all right, I'll get a couple of these out of the way because I shared two of them with Cycli. Uh He and I did a commentary, which will be dropping on May 13th for the 2009 Friday the 13th movie. And Cycli and I will fully admit we're big fans of the slasher genre, big horror fans. But uh, this is kind of a blind spot for me, and I think for Cycli for you as well, is the Friday the 13th franchise. So uh, obviously, we'll let the people watch the film with us on May 13th because uh, this was on Netflix and get our full thoughts. But what would you tease the commentary with Cycli or just sort of let people know as how do you come into this with your views on the Friday the 13th franchise? Some fake boobs, some real boobs, you know, wow. Friday has some good boobs. There are some boobs in this. I'll say mm -hmm. that. But actually, 
what I'll really say is the movie is universally panned if you Google it. But I think if you go in with that mindset, that low expectation, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Yeah, I said this on there. I mean, you have to grade movies on like what what are they trying to do? And I don't know what someone I say this multiple times, but like what you thought this movie was that you didn't get. Yeah, it's no elevated horror. Right. What are you missing that you thought this film was? Like, I don't go to McDonald's and I'm like, well, this isn't a fucking sirloin steak. The 15 year old working there is like, no, dude, I make 12.50 an hour. Like, and I'm high, so. <laughs> His voice is cracking, he has acne all over his face. Yeah, now I d don't want McDonald's. Uh, one other thing, I think, Cycle, you're caught up on this, too. Uh, How I Met Your Father on Hulu, which we, Cycle and I are huge How I Met Your Mother fans. We have the creators back for this. What did you say, Matt? With Lizzie McGuire. Yep, Hilary Duff. Yep. She could get it's it. It's in the same universe as How I Met Your Mother, which is established in the first episode. Um, Cycling, what are your thoughts? We're three episodes in, we'll be four in when this time drop when this drops this episode, but first three we've seen so far. What are your thoughts on the show, Early Returns? First of all, I'll say, you know, obviously it's on Hulu and it's a sitcom. I mean, right, in the sitcom in the purest form. And I'll admit, I how many of us actually watch sitcoms anymore? I'm talking about laugh tracks and commercial breaks. Right? It just doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen. And so watching it at first, it was like hard for me to get into because I was like, oh, my God, the laugh tracks are more than they're they're a nuisance. Right. Like it's distracting. Um, but and it was corny. Right. The show is corny. I'm not going to lie about it. But then you think back and I, re I go back to the original How I Met Your Mother and I think of the first couple episodes. They're exactly the same. We just have. Yeah, they are. You know, we have, you know, hindsight with these you know episodes and we love it because of what it is. But I guarantee you, if I watched How I Met Your Mother for the first time in those first couple episodes, I'd feel the same way. The show, I will say at this point right now, has been intriguing enough, has been fun enough that I'm enjoying it. Even if it's not the best thing I've seen, what the hell else am I doing on a Tuesday for 25 minutes? Right. Um, I do like Hilary Duff. She's probably the best actor on there. I think these characters are still these actors are still trying to find their characters. And you see that in most first seasons. Um, in any show, whether it's a sitcom or not, but I'm in, I really am. Um, I don't think it's going to wow anyone, but why does it have to, why can't it not just be a, a show I enjoy watching once a week? So, um, I'm excited to see where they go with it. We're getting some development now. Uh, so I'll throw it over to you. Yeah. I echo all that. I think it's getting better as it goes. I, the people that are like, well, would you be watching it if it wasn't connected to how I met your mother? I'm like, no. What's wrong with that, though? Like, why? No, that's what I didn't even start watching me. How I Met Your Mother until season four. Yeah. So it's giving me everything I need. It, like, it, it's not laugh out loud funny, but it's interesting enough. And it's 25 minutes. We just watch it while we eat. You know, it's and it's it, the day and age of like, I think this is one thing that I sort of like is like no one sits down with their family anymore with their little TV dinners and and turns on the clicker and watches CBS Live at 6.30 because uh, Hawaii Five O is on. Those days are over. You're talking about my parents, <laughs> and they still do that exactly. Yeah, but for us, it's like, all right, streaming, we can watch it whenever we want, and they still get their commercials in there, Hulu, even though I pay you each month for your service, uh, and they make sure the commercials, the volume goes up fucking 20 notches God. when they start. 
But it's low rent. I'm enjoying it. Uh, like you said, the actors are still definitely cutting their teeth with their characters. But there's enough there that like I can't really think of a reason right now to not watch. And I'll be honest, this the past two episodes we've watched. Well, I guess the first one came out. They, they dropped two at once, but we watched them both the day they came out. So yeah. that and I'll probably you, do that again. Yeah, that shows you my interest level. Safe spot. I I don't <laughs> like how I met your mother. I mean, I respect your opinion, but you're I, I, I don't. I, I think do not. I, I think it's a fine show. I just don't think it's for me. Yeah. Which is weird because you guys don't fit this mold, but I don't drink coffee, but it feels like the place where people go that work from home, but they bring their MacBook and pay for a $10 Starbucks and sit there all day, and they talk about how funny Stephen Colbert is and how great Friends was and how they watched How I Met Your Mother. And, like, none of those things I watched. <laughs> who, who is this person? I was gonna say, it's literally, that's who I see. Specific. I picture this person with, you know, like, glasses and a nice sweater. And they're like, oh, I do create a design for this company, but I never have to show up to the office. But, you know, I, I watch, know. you know, I watched Colbert <laughs> last night and I have every friend meet this person. How I Met Your Mother and they drink coffee. Let me. They have like a name that's like uncommon. Yeah, I just, Revan. Who I that's, and I don't drink coffee and I don't watch you know late night shit. I don't. So that's Star that's see that likes the that like that show. I guess. <laughs> that is. So I've watched some of it. It yeah. is funny. It's just not. I I can't. I don't think I could watch like every single one of them. I'm never wearing my turtleneck around you because now I'm gonna feel very judged. Yeah, I think we'll, we're all okay with that, though, to be honest. <laughs> I'm sensitive about my neck, okay? He should be. All right, uh, Matt, you got anything else? Yeah, I got one more, uh, last one. Uh, Don't Look Up. I think Thurman reviewed this, and I watched and it. We all saw and... it, I think, right? It's like we did. Yeah, well, he missed the first 20 minutes, which we like, gave him shit for because it's a streaming. I'm, I'm hoping to catch it next time it comes on Netflix, <laughs> you know? Dude, I don't... I didn't like it as much as other people did. I thought it was like cool, but the the thing is, I was like, yeah, and you know, I, I get what they were doing, um, but I guess it's really hard to make fun of something that's already a complete joke. Like I, you know, and I don't want to get too political, but it's it's impossible to make fun of Trump. It's impossible to make fun of Biden. Like they're characters of themselves. Like right. they, like you can't do it and. You know, Bush and, you know, Clinton and stuff, even though that they had a lot of, you know, kind of weird stuff happen to them. But, like, I get where they're going with it, and they're trying to make fun of science and everything. It got to, to me, like, I, I don't know. Like, the truth is more, more – or what's happening in real life is more funny than what they were trying to come up with, with the comet and everything like that. And it, I guess – I. and maybe – you guys can just, just say it. If I sound like the Let's Go Brandon – fucking black guy in his yard that just seemed like to me like they were just like preaching to me like oh this is wrong and this is how we're gonna correct it like the whole time and i'm like i get i get they're trying to be funny about it but i'm like i don't know that i guess the real life scenario of it is more funny than the movie they came up with to me yeah i think we've reached a point i'll only speak really briefly on this that like real life you can't really satirize it anymore because like it is a satire like i cannot believe the world that we live in (laughs) It's, it's both sides. It's absolutely fucking insane. And I'll say this. I used to love Adam McKay when he did uh, like focus solely on comedies. But I think since Vice, 
like even if he'll occasionally say something that I'm like kind of in line with or agree with, he is just so fucking full of himself and like pretentious in the way that he gets his message across that he's like, Hey, let's put nuts on a drum set. But Oh, Hey, now that I made it, listen about climate change, which I, I, you know, I'm not one of those people. Like I, I believe we could treat our planet better. Like I'm not trying to say that, but I'm like, I hate being preached to in movies. And that's what seems Absolutely. like some of these even if I agree do, with I'm just it. like, dude, like even, even sometimes if... when I'm on their side, <laughs> like yes. no, I totally agree. I still even if I agree like, with I it, preach to. like if Ben Affleck says the Texas Rangers are the best baseball team ever, <laughs> I agree with him, but shut the fuck up. You know, yeah, like, like, I don't want to be preached to about it, I guess. Yeah. And I, but I will say this, the movie, uh, I think the first I really like the first act, and then it kind of goes downhill after that when it gets sort of too. I agree with that too. Yeah, when no, I first started, I'm like, okay, and then I started to be like, all right, you know, of course, uh, you know, Jonah Hill, and then like they're making fun of Trump, which is fine. Like that's fine. Like I, I think we should be able to make fun of our president and everyone not getting so fucking butt hurt about it. But on some of it, I'm like, all right, now they're like really trying to lean in. Now they're trying to do the Fauci thing. Now they're trying to do that. I'm like, I get what you're doing, but you just seem like you're just telling me like, our shit, I already know. And like, what are you going to do about it? Besides do a speech at the fucking Oscars about this. Last thing I'll say, I wanted more of Jennifer Lawrence's character. Like she, to me, was the funniest with her like anger issues. (laughs) Yeah, it's like. And I'm on the other end of the spectrum on my, you know, on my beliefs, and I'm just like sitting here going, the movie you didn't even have to struggle to write. Like, okay, just change a, you know, a word here or there, and then all of a sudden you just have a whole movie that was really easy to do because you're basing off of caricatures in real life. What I didn't, I, I, I'm with you there. I think the movie was a little too much on that sense standpoint, but there, it, it was like almost like trying to be like idiocracy, right? Like just yeah, the exactly. worst of yeah. humanity, and. There is something to that. I do believe that, you know, if, like the world was ending tomorrow, you would get this clash of characters because that's just how humans are. There's billions of us and you're going to get people who are trying to profit off of it. They're going to get people to uh, to dumb it down. That is just human nature. And, and the movie almost like was too much of a caricature on itself. So while I had fun and I understood the point it was making and I, while I agree with a lot of the points, it's like we're living this right now. So we're to a point now, whenever you come up with a movie like this, like 70% of the audience is going to be like, yeah, idiocracy. We get it. We're already there. This is everyone's fucking dumb. The other percent is going to be pissed that you offended them because you're on a different political spectrum. The other ones are so fucking biased. They, you know, will believe right. in fucking thing. So it's, it's pointless to even make at this point because it can't be the Saturday Night Live that we grew up with is dead. You just can't fucking do it anymore. And I, for two reasons is one is because it's so divided. And the other reason is because everyone is such a character themselves. Like the news on both sides doesn't take themselves seriously or anything that you can't, you can't make fun of it. It's impossible yeah. to make fun. But of. we're going to be, we're being olds right now, right? Like we're not that old on the podcast, but here's what, here's the problem. I think we live in a society where everyone is a, has a voice. Like literally everyone has an opinion. Yeah. I mean, everyone always had an opinion. Okay, everyone Twitter. literally can be online and having an opinion or a TikTok or whatever. And now everyone's important. And so when you have a SNL and you, you can focus on that in the 90s or like we were talking about baseball, like you can sit there for four and a half hours. But now everyone's in their own worlds because they have an opinion and they were told by their mom and dad that their opinion was special. Right? Like, it's why we have a podcast. We think people like listening to us. And you do. And that's great. We love it. But 
that's kind of the point, right? Like we all want to have our voices heard. And when you have movies like this, it's just like too much. And so you can enjoy it from an entertainment value, but at the same time, it's just like, man, we're living it. Do we need it? I, I hate it. I, and I'm more, I try to consider myself a more of a Ricky Gervais that I'm just like, dude, come on, spare me. Then <laughs> I don't want to be like, you know, the, the redneck dude with the, still with the Trump flag in my thing, but I'm like, on some of this, I'm like, come on, like, just, there's so much other movies you could have made with this cast in this. And I guess this is just what Adam McKay is now, you know? It's sad, too, because he's a phenomenal director. Now, having said that, I'll still watch his HBO Max series on the Showtime Lakers, but... That, that's what I said, I'm like, I would <laughs> I would get rid of him if he wasn't doing the fucking Showtime thing that's coming in. That Will Ferrell's pissed that he's not part of, apparently. Well, he told him he was going to play Jerry Buss, and then he's like, fuck, no, you're not. Will Ferrell's a huge Lakers fan, too. I know. It's USC. It's brutal. Cycle, you got anything else? Uh, yeah, I'll just, I mean, not really. I'll quickly mention that New Girl is my current rewatch that I just too, put yeah. in the background. You were there when I started rewatching it. And it's funny because you mentioned this earlier. Not a big Zoe Deschanel fan at all. And, uh, but for some reason, love the show kind of the same way you like 500 days of summer. So it's a fun show to just put on the background when you're working, when you're cleaning, when you're just walking around the house. Um, it's, it's, it's the overall cast that I think is hilarious. I mean, I mean, she can be funny. It just sometimes she's her adorkable. Is that what you call it? Wow. That's a little much. That's good. Yeah. So, uh, but new girl, uh, just one of my probably casual rewatches every two years that I put on the background transition, be like that in the office, how I met your mother and, scrubs and so on and so forth i pretty much fall asleep to the office every night now so we all need a show like this that yes we watch that we like half watch probably yeah you're never actually sitting and enjoying it i have two more that i'll run through real quick in like a minute total uh i watched free guy the ryan reynolds movie how was that uh it was all right i'll say this i'm gonna be honest i watched this in like two separate sittings. I watched the first half of it on an airplane actually to visit you. And then I watched the rest of it when I got home, but I couldn't quite finish it. So I watched the ending again. So if I'm ah. the director of free guy, I'm like, well, what the fuck, man, you're going to like judge my movie when you watched it in three parts. Um, but to me, it was like the fact that it took me three sittings to watch it. I think shows you like there was again, I had other things happening, but there was nothing here really like keeping me captivated. The concept is kind of interesting, like inserting a film ironically into the world of like Grand Theft Auto and poking fun at like video game culture, which I'm probably not the target demo for because I'm not like that into that world of like MMOs. But Ryan Reynolds does his normal Ryan Reynolds thing. I have to think he's got to be getting bored of this, right? Like the shtick. As long as it pays. He's like a he's a heartthrob. Yeah, I guess. But like he's. Every line delivery is the same, man. And like, yeah, I don't know. I used to think that Deadpool three and the MCU I was excited for. And then I rewatched this and I'm just like, and there's actually a really funny Marvel joke in this movie that involves a brief cameo from a big time Marvel actor. But even then I was like, ah, kind of like sighing. I mean, like, yeah, these actors, I mean, I mentioned with Adam Devine, but I mean, he's much, Brian Reynolds is much bigger, but I'm like, you're just the same character every time. I know. It has to be exhausting. And it can be fun. I'm not saying it can be, but I'm just like, at least like with the Leos of the world, you're like, man, you're, you have a range. Like, 
yeah, do they get bored? I don't know. And if I was getting paid that much and I was that hot, maybe I wouldn't care. Yeah. So I'm not like mad at Free Guy. I didn't have very high expectations. And there was a few moments that are pretty funny. But for the most part, I would probably say steer clear unless you saw this trailer and you were like, oh, pro, have to watch that. Uh, and then one other thing I'm, so I'm, you know, catching up on or rewatching the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yep. I just watched season one, episode three, titled Teamwork. I'll read you the plot synopsis real quick. Uh, Kimberly and Trini gather signatures to close down a nearby dump site while convincing their teammates to work together more. So tough follow up because the last episode, of course, guys, we were dealing with uh, Trini's fear of heights. So two Trini centric episodes. Back to back. It's big. It was very big. Let me give you some highlights from this one briefly. Uh, first off, there is a random female, like, gangster hanging out with Bulk and Skull in this. Did you guys ever remember seeing this chick? No. Me either. Probably. She's like, female Bulk and Skull. Like, they have a friend, and she's, like, not unattractive either. So I'm like, this is weird that she hangs out with them. Also for the second time in 3 episodes, Bulk and Skull try to physically attack Kimberly uh at in high school. They just have a crush on her, man. Like they think that's what she wants. Yeah, at Angel Grove High, it's a little weird. Uh highlight of the episode, Zach teaches Alpha to break dance. Why Zach? Uh Matt, he's just a good dancer. Like what are you getting Why not at? Billy? Well, Zach is a uh, martial arts expert, so he has you know, advanced moves. There you go. Yeah, Billy was working on – he was sewing some costumes for the play. Um, the villain they fight, because I know Cycle is always interested, this one is a minotaur. A minotaur. Minotaur. Uh, Goldar, I actually liked – he actually gets his hands dirty in this one. He fights with the putties. Normally, he just yells shit from the sidelines. I wish Goldar had a bigger role. Me too. We're all – wanting more Goldar. And then the last thing, cool part about this episode, this is the first time Zordon gives them their power weapons, you know, that they can, like, assemble into, like, the mega gun. So, of course, as a kid, this was, like, one of the turning points for selling toys. You had to go out and buy the new fucking toy. Dude, the amount of Power Rangers toys I had. (laughs) My poor parents. See that shit? Had? Shit, I still have mine. (laughs) He's on a daily basis. You just have to promise that when you get to the miniseries, the green... Ranger ones, you got to watch them together. Yeah, we'll do a Matt. We've been talking about doing a commentary on the three episodes where Tommy five becomes, episodes. Oh, five episodes. Sorry, where Tommy becomes the Green Ranger. If you want in, he's bad. Green Ranger and yeah. controlled by yeah. Rita. They're like five eighteen minute episodes. Where he like ditches Kimberly and then she wants him more. Of course. Yeah, and Jason is like realizing that. He is basically thirsted over Kimberly to the point where she's no longer interested. Oh my God. I think the guy that, you know, has weird eyes and wears all green is the Green Ranger. Like, no, no. What? You hey, mean the guy in the ponytail that wears all green at school? <laughs> Definitely not. And also is the only the only other person here that knows karate. Are right, you guys have anything else? Nope. Nope. All right, last part of our show is our Do You Even Lift Bruh? segment where we usually ask you a question like do you even lift bruh and then we leave you with it i can't i'm sorry banner no, brian brian is like don't you dare try to make that bird noise <laughs> that's the only reason i'm allowed on the pod that's my sole value uh and the question now is what are your top 100 movies of all time so 
Uh, since our 100 and, I don't know, what was it, 60th episode, something like that, we've been counting down our top 100 movies list each bro has. Uh, and it's been a fun journey. You will find the link in this description to the countdown where we currently stand. And Cycli, I usually I ask Nate this, but he's not here. So how would you describe, because I know you've actually had a lot of your family members participate in this as well. How would you describe these lists to people? Because like we always say, it's not like the AFI's top 100 movies ever. They're they're much uh, nearer and dearer to each of our hearts, I think. Yeah, there's something special about this, right? Like we're not looking for the first, the best hundred movies in terms of acting and screenwriting and cinematography, you know, because that would be really it would be a different conversation, right? Like you're breaking down, you could just go down the Academy Award <laughs> nominees. We're doing our special top 100, right? Like movies that mean <laughs> something to us. So it might not reflect how you feel about a movie might not reflect your top 10 or 20 or whatever it is, but it's just because these movies mean something to us. So uh, we're having fun with it. I recommend you do this at home. Uh, Like, like Jeff said, I got my sister and couple my sisters and a couple cousins to do this. Um, It's not as easy as you think. And it's, it's really fun to do though. Um, So yeah, try and make your top 100 and really break it down to how you feel about a movie and when and where you saw these movies for the first time. And you might be like, I don't even think I've seen 100 movies. Even if you are not a movie fanatic, I guarantee you, you've seen 500 movies. Unless you're 10 years old and listening to us, like, you've seen 100 movies. Which, if you are, like, your parents need to fucking step in and do something. <laughs> All right, continuing our list. So, uh, Matt, last he counted down, was his number 83 movie. So, if we get him down to number 79 today, and if Cycli does two more of his to get him to 79, every bro on the podcast has given us their 100 through 79th favorite movie. So, Matt, we'll go to you first. Your number 83 movie, the last one you did, was the classic Scarface. So what is the movie ranked just ahead of that at number 82 for you? 82, once again, 90s, grungy uh, comic book movie. I'm going with Brandon Lee's The Crow. Wow. I mean, come on. And going back to it, the soundtrack with Deftones and Stone Temple Pilots, I mean, it's so fucking 90s. People still dress up as the crow for Halloween. They're still trying to reboot it. It's a great movie. There is not one sequel that's even touchable at all. Even one has Reese Witherspoon in it, but this one is fan-fucking-tastic. I love this movie. And talk about a movie that has, like, a cultural significance in Hollywood. I mean, this one way up there. Obviously, we know the tragedy of Brandon Lee, and, like, it changed a lot of set rules that Rust obviously didn't adhere to. But <laughs> for, for like, stunts. But did give us a ton of great memes. So Yeah, that's true. Uh, but the thing I love about this, this is, like, the epitome of these lists to me, Matt, because this is a movie you have talked about probably every fifth or sixth episode since we started the podcast in 2016. Yeah. Like it's a movie that you just care deeply about and love. I love this movie. It's in my eighties. Says something too. Yeah. 82. It's ahead of some pretty damn good movies. So. Absolutely. All right. So uh, what's your number 81 movie of all time? So this comedy, I really enjoy But as I get older, I enjoy it more and more just because as a married man with kids but that's meet the parents um you know as a middle schooler seeing this movie thought it was funny you know when you have a a middle school girlfriend you don't really meet their parents too much but as you get older especially when you're getting serious about a girl 
and just the awkward, you know, because you don't, if, if you're a gamer, you don't meet a dad that's a gamer. And even if you're into sports, you usually don't meet a dad that's in, like, you, there's always a disconnect between you and your father-in-law. Oh yeah. And, but, and this one just really takes the cake about how De Niro just hates Ben Stiller. And it's <laughs> the comedic gold in this is so fucking great. And Owen Wilson is just at the top of his fucking game. And, this Such a sleeper great. comedy performance from Owen Wilson. Oh, oh yeah. The other two are good. Uh, obviously, they're, they're not making, they're not better than this one, so they're not making my top 100. But this movie, God, when I watch it, I just laugh my ass off. And I always tell my wife, I'm like, this is how I felt when I met your, met your parents. So they were like playing a game about how awkward they can make me feel, and everyone was winning with me. But and how, this, how often do you quote Owen Wilson, gotta strike while the iron's hot? <laughs> Now's the time. How's your portfolio, Greg? I'd say strong to quite strong. And and Stiller plays it so well as the guy that, you know, he's, you know, a pretty squared away guy. got a pretty good job. But when he's there, he just tries so hard to be part of their family, but they just won't let him in. And it's just so it's so fucking good. And of course, like his nervousness makes him like less affable to them. He's like, motherfucker, like the harder I try, the worse this gets for me. And what a great, like at this time, maybe I'm missing an obvious one, but Robert De Niro had never really taken a turn earnestly at doing comedy. I think he might have done Rocky and Bullwinkle, which is just like a paycheck gig. But this is the first time he played like a, a real character. And this tried is the to first do it. time he went Pesci. Yeah. Pesci did this with Cousin Vinny, Home Alone. This is the first time it's like, I'm whoa, still... whoa, whoa, my cousin Vinny is a fantastic film. Oh, yeah. Not, I, no, that's what he's saying. No, I, no, that's what I'm like, saying. He went Pesci. We're Pesci. Basically, he's like, I'm still going to play the same badass character that you don't fuck with me. I can kick anyone's ass, but it's going to be funny. And De Niro did the same thing. Like, you know, he was CIA or whatever in the movie. You know, he he's not like, you know, a, okay. oh, golly, gee, shucks, comedy guy. I'm still a badass, but it's funny. That's what I meant by, like, he went Pesci. Because Pesci did yeah, that. Yeah, I guess for me, my kind of Vinny is, is funny, but it's not a comedy. But I know what you mean. Right. All right, number 80, Jeff? Uh, Sorry, I clicked away real quick. Yeah, why don't you do 80, then you do 80, and the cycle do 80, and we each do 79. Okay, we'll my 80 is I love a good sports movie. I love drinking beer and eating pizza at a sports movie. This one should be way better on my list, but it's not. But it's still a great movie, and that's Moneyball. Mm-hmm. The reason it's not. Oh, the baseball conversation, yeah. Yeah, the reason it's not is because I get so sick of telling my wife, she's like, oh, so they weren't a good team. I'm like, actually, they had, like, three fucking Cy Young, like, pitchers on this fucking team. Like, let's be, Dude, which they like, conveniently leave out. On this yeah. team, which aren't them. even in this movie. And <laughs> Neither's Tejada. <laughs> yeah, Tejada, who had a – I mean, he was juiced to the gills, but he had a whole – he had a fucking MVP year. Eric Chavez was a fucking, you know, probably a top third baseman in the league. Roberto Hernandez was an all-star catcher that year. You got Jermaine it's Dye, like, who, you know, in the prime of his career. and It wouldn't be as good of a movie if they told that stuff, though. It's like like the real story of uh, Remember the Titans. The real team went, like, 13-0 and and beat every team by 50 points. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, that's not going to make a movie. You know, Scott Hatterberg, and I'm not going to say I'm a big Oakland A's fan from Missouri, staying up late watching West Coast Oakland A's games in the mid-aughts, but... I, I mean, yeah. I remember oh, starting at first way more than Hatterberg. Like, I don't remember him starting that much or playing. Because he did. Yeah, Hatterberg was, like, <laughs> platooned against righties. and. Yeah, I, 
you know, I don't remember him being like a big fucking key to, you know, it was interesting because this is kind of the same dynamic that, you know, they used in Boston and then later in Chicago with Theo Epstein. But that's what I hate about it is actually explaining. I'm like, no, actually, this took place in my lifetime and this is not how this happened at all. So wait, did you like this movie that is number eighty on the list? <laughs> I, I liked it. I, I Brad Pitt. I mean, I loved it because it was no, about baseball front office, which is almost kind of like Draft Day, which is not on my list. It's a good movie, but it's come on, it's not going to be a top one hundred movie. But I, I liked that it was actually about real baseball, not about yeah. fictitious. Hey, let's make up a movie, Little Big League, whatever. That was also on my list, but. Um, I, I liked it. I just wish it would have been probably a top 20 movie if it would have told the actual story. The story is good. It, it's actually, I mean, he did turn the tables on baseball. He did use analytics on a lot of stuff, but the, the meat and potatoes of his lineup were still fucking, you know, the fortune 500 players that you'd want, like the Barry Zitos, the Mark Mulders, the Tim Hudson's, the Miguel Tejadas and stuff like that. It, you know, Scott Hatterberg wasn't the reason you made the playoffs. Like, get the fuck out of here. I will say this. This is a book I actually read in college, which that alone is a sentence that should. Moneyball or Bill James's book? He read a book? Bill James's book, Moneyball. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that sentence alone that I read a book in college for pleasure should blow people's minds. But when you read the actual book, there's really no narrative. It's Bill James talking about the methodology of Moneyball, of like finding intrinsic value in players that like stats that like counting stats that other front offices are actually looking at don't quantify well. And so when I heard they were making a movie, I was like, but it's not like a, it's like a non fiction. It's like a self-help book, basically. Like what's the story? So the fact that they took the season and sort of adapted the money ball, like formula to it, I thought was really interesting. And of course, one of my probably a top 100 movie scene of all time for me is where Billy Bean uh, and Jonah Hill's character, who's supposed to be Scott uh, Service, I believe, but they replace him, are sitting with the scouts and just basically like showing them how this roster reconstruction is not going to coincide very well with like their old school way, way of thinking. Oh, I th- I, if we're going to do a bro four squad best scene, I think when they trade for Rincon is my favorite scene. You don't even know who he is. <laughs> like, I mean, that that is, you know, when it's like, no one's calling. Why did anyone call him? Because they're like, who else would want him? The Giants. Okay, let's fucking trade the Giants our relief pitcher so they'll cool on him so we can get him. I mean, that's how trades work. And they won't, I mean, no one's going to tip their hand or anything. It's It was very interesting. But the other thing is, is like the whole Billy Bean aspect to me. I feel like I'm shitting on this movie, even though it's in my top 100. <laughs> no, that's why I was laughing. I'm like, it, it seemed like Sandra Bullock blindside to me. Like, was he really giving hitting tips to like Long and David Justice and stuff like that? Or <laughs> that's or, like watching George Costanza in Seinfeld when he works for the Yankees, right, right. giving tips to Jeter. And Jeter's <laughs> like, we won the World Series, and George goes, yeah, in six games. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, Art Howell is a fantastic manager, and like. I know he had some really negative things to say about this movie also. So I, I, it'd be a top 20 movie if it was more accurate. But other than that, it gave a really good inside look. A lot of the stuff that was accurate about trades and trying to build a team and, you know, how the Yankees basically, you know, suck at building farm systems. They just, like, basically take everyone else's best players is all true. But um, it was really interesting. I love the movie. I love the acting and everything. I just wish it was more historically accurate. 
Um, I do love the uh, David Justice scene in the batting cage, though. That's a cool one. A lot of good scenes. I, Ron Washington's inclusion in it as well. Great. Who's the greatest infield coach ever? Agreed. All right, Cycli, we come to you. You're up to your number 80 movie of all time, and your number 81 was Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Mm-hmm. So what is your number 80 I, favorite movie? I won't take too much time on this because it was mentioned already recently on the pod by your you, and I got excited when I heard it because we've been talking for a little bit about when we're going to start having some commonality in our lists. Yeah. We all agree that our top 30, top 20, top 10 will probably have some repeats. I was surprised that we have this pretty early on by one spot different, I believe. I have Forgetting Sarah Marshall mm. at number 80. That is my number 80. That's your number 80? I thought it was 79. No. The oh Prestige my is 79. Oh, shit. Wow. I swear. I, oh, my God. I must have heard that because I was, like, freaking out. That's All right. awesome. That's shit. insane. And by the I'm way, Matt. Here. Your number, your money ball will come up later on my list. Okay. FYI. That's that's crazy to me because <laughs> when I heard that, I Sorry. was like, I, I didn't have my list next to me. And I told you when you came and visited me two weeks ago, I was like, I heard it and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's right next to where I have it, like by one or two spots. And here we are at the same one. I'm forgetting Sarah Marshall, which again, you talked about, so I won't break out too long, but... Uh, Jason Siegel, who we talked about How I Met Your Mother earlier, I think was the most versatile there for a while coming out of the show. Um, he had, you know, Muppets, which also you'll see later in my list, the Muppets that he wrote. Um, he, the guy had so much potential. I'm not exactly sure what's going on with him. Um, we can talk about that, I'm sure, plenty of times. Uh, you know, we get me Kunis, who's just, you know bomb in this movie um I, Russell I Brand is a scene Ru- stealer in every he, yeah I was gonna say Russell Brand is, I mean is, I don't want to say too much of what you already said so I'm like that's uh, it's hard to cover but like the movie itself is just fun Jonah Hill is but not Jonah Hill sorry um well, yeah Jonah Bill Hill. Hader's great oh, Bill Hader yeah that's what I meant but the but the you know, it was like the first movie with doing like the Skype, you know, and now it's so easy to do. But like back yeah. then, like doing the Skype calls, right, like the pearl necklace and all that kind of thing. So I don't know. It, it's just a fun movie. It doesn't need to be anything else. It's a pure comedy. We forget um, Paul Rudd is in it, too. You know, Paul Rudd. Yeah. And I love what I want to reference really quick is the end where he does the puppet, the vampire uh, Muppet <laughs> puppet. Van Helsing. Comedy music of Van Helsing, yeah. which is hilarious because I remember watching that movie. You and I, who are big Muppet fans, love the Muppets. I want every movie to be done with the Muppets. We <laughs> knew that was kind of how he got that because he was doing yeah. the Muppet movie. That was his sell to show that he could do it. Like that was put on purpose and forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, I'm sure. And so like I fucking love that. Uh, so I won't speak too much longer about it because I know it's been repeated, but – Forgetting Star Marshall is just a good comedy. You don't need to think. You don't need to have set up. It doesn't need to be more than it is. Just go put it on if you've never seen it. It's so good. The laughs come at you like a mile a minute, I have to say. Yeah. 
even knowing where it's at. Um, it holds up really well, too. One of the most quotable movies I have. I'm actually kind of shocked, even looking at my list, that it is so far down to 80. It, it's one of those things when you talk about it, you're like, of course it's higher. I do have a lot of comedies in like my top 20, and uh, I don't know how, but this one, is it's where it's at. But I f- don't get it twisted. I've seen, on my list at least, uh, almost 1,100 movies, and this... I have so much adoration for this film. It's crazy. Yes. Uh, and the the Jonah Hill character, let's forget about get him to the Greek because that was just an abomination. His He's fucking perfect in this. It's like the passive-aggressively yeah. obsessive fanboy who works at the hotel. I mean, he was... Yeah, I was thinking about Bill Hunter, but yeah, he's hilarious too. Given Passnow's demo. Did you get it? Did you get it? Was this this was like maybe the first time I remember Kristen Bell? I don't know if. I oh yeah, because I didn't watch before. Veronica Mars. This is the first time. I no, I had. Yeah, which is weird because she's actually a really nice person. I think. Yeah. So too. But she plays like a complete bitch in this. I mean, I like her in a good place, and um, but yeah, like this was the first introduction for me to her. I knew Mila Kunis and everyone else, but God, this movie's. I want to watch it now. And who can't relate to like getting over a breakup and just like needing to go somewhere, and then of course he picks the one fucking place she's at. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff also the, the the fact that he's like his job is just so fucking funny too that he like writes shitty like synth so, uh, like sound effect music for some really bad like CSI show on CBS that Billy Baldwin stars in yes that's like me I'm like someone has to do it I want to do that job CSI I want to be a subtitle writer what's the line someone Billy has to do it Billy Baldwin has after that like modelism gets murdered. He goes, well, it's going to be tough for her to re-enter the pageant without, without a, a head. <laughs> all right. Uh, last one each Geiger. What's your number 79 movie of all time? I think one of my first Marvel movies, but it is Thor Ragnarok. Oh yeah. Uh, hated the first Thor. Didn't hate it. It was fine. I, I get why they did it. You know, placeholder. Second Thor was absolutely fucking terrible. It was yes. not good at all. And it was so hard for me because there was something there with Hemsworth. I always, I, I couldn't, there wasn't another movie that I'd be like, hey, look at him here. They need to do something with him. Obviously, he was good in the Avengers and everything. But this movie, they finally got Thor. They finally understood it, which is saying something because, you know, usually the third movie isn't the best movie. And this one just blew it out of, you know, everything. It was, you know, with Jeff Goldblum, it was funny, had the Hulk in it. But, you know, I'll say a scene that makes you laugh, a scene that makes you cry, a scene that makes you fucking just like, hey, dude, I want to go to the gym or I want to go box or something is him fighting the Hulk. Like he gets his haircut. He goes, I mean, how it's like a cartoon, almost Russell Crowe gladiator. And then he fucking fights him in there. And it, it was a fantastic scene. And the story was well told. It leads right into Endgame. And I think it finally... I, I think this was finally... Hemsworth got roles because he was in the Marvel Universe. But after this movie, I think he finally got like actual roles. That's after this was like Casino Royale. Um, he did the Netflix movie. And I think now his, like, his stock is really starting to rise. Because he is a good actor. I like Hemsworth. Is he... Someone that needs to be, you know, in a Scorsese film and win an Oscar. You know, I I don't know if he's that, you know, possibly, but he is a really great actor in any action movie. I would love to see him in. But this movie, 
finally to me i i think marvel finally and disney finally found out what to do with him this this is one of the top five marvel movies for me too oh yeah uh, yeah bad times at the el royale was like a i think a fun like swing for the fences for him as like the cult leader mm-hmm. which is cool my core to me is just uh, having taika watiti come in with his sensibility was such a shot in the arm and a real fucking swing for the fences for from marvel but Korg is just an un- incredible scene stealer. I think maybe the hardest I laughed at a film that year was when Korg gives the line about why he's in prison because of his failed revolution. Tried to start a revolution, didn't print enough pamphlets. <laughs> so I'm here. <laughs> Only people who showed up were my mom and her boyfriend, Doug, who I hate. Korg is... Between Korg and Kronk from Emperor's New Groove, like... Oh, yeah. Both of them, I just, uh, I just want to just see like a ten-part fucking <laughs> D- Netflix Disney Plus series. We need to bring back the Bro Four Squad Hall of Fame because Kronk needs to be one of the. God, Absolutely. we That's don't care if he takes steroids or not. Actually, it's encouraged. That is further on down the list. But look what I can do. He's doing like a handstand push-up. I was like, wait, <laughs> he has a point. His own theme music. Yeah, yeah, Thor Ragnarok, and what a surprise too, because like. Thor The Dark World, they said, like, you know what? I think that his franchise is like a Game of Thrones type franchise. And audiences were just like, no, 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 no. It's not. Yeah. So they fixed fixed it with this. They and did. And it's so much so that Love and Thunder now is probably, you know, the, one of the most anticipated Marvel movies to come out, you know, after the Spider-Man movie we just saw in December. But, uh, you know, I'll say it, man. It's like, you know, Hemsworth... I, I mean, I'm excited to see his Hulk Hogan movie. I mean, I and I'm not even joking about that. Like, I actually think that this dude is this is not going to be like some popcorn funky movie. Like, he's going to take this extremely seriously. and It's going to be pretty fucking good. Yeah, I agree. All right, Cycle, last one of the night. What is your number 79 film? This is going to sound really douchey and pretentious, but there's a reason here. I, my number 79 is a French movie called oh. Amelie. Called what? And Amelie. Amelie? Well, Thurman's it? 79th was The Great Dictator from 1940, so we're looking oh. pretty fucking classy. <laughs> there we go. So Amelie is the first, like, foreign film that I recall watching. I was, like, 13 or 14 years old. The movie is a very, like, lighthearted, very uplifting movie about a girl who's just kind of had a rough life, but all she cares about is making other people happy. It's it's filmed in a very eccentric, fun way. The score is iconic, I will say that. Like, the score is very famous. I believe it was nominated or won Best Foreign Picture. Um, but the thing about the movie, to me, that that why it made my list, it's the first movie I remember because it was a you know, I think I watched it because my sisters were watching it for French class or something. And it literally like convinced me that, hey, foreign movies can be really good. And I, sometimes you need that, right? Like sometimes you need that. Like it's kind of like how everyone felt about Parasite. It was like, whoa, OK, the Koreans know what's up. And then everyone ate up Squid Game. And now Netflix is investing an insane amount in in Korean film and TV shows. Amelie is in my list because it like as a teenager, I was like, wow, okay, foreign films are cool. Like they can actually be good. Mm-hmm. And it and I have a, a number of foreign films above this, but it just was the introduction into that world. So 
the movie I remember was like critically acclaimed. It's really well received. But if you go back and watch it now, you know, it's hard for me to tell you how you'll feel about it in a modern context. It's a very feel good movie. It's very happy. But I, to me, the movie represented a mainstream start of foreign films, uh, at least in my world. And I, I do know it made it big in America back then, too. So Amelie making a, a debut at 79, which I was actually proud to have, but it does sound like really funny to have on there. No, that's what I love about these lists. This poster, I have to say, is iconic because I've never seen this movie, but I've seen this poster all over the place. Yeah, the, the score and the poster definitely like have been around. And it says it like you said, it classifies it as a rom-com. So, yeah. Definitely interested here. She this is about a lonely girl who makes other people happy, and she's always lonely, right? Like she's so busy making other people happy, but she lives a lonely life. And it has incredible scores across the aggregators here. I think it's on yeah. Prime Video. It's been a while since I've seen it. To me, it's more representative again of like what it meant for me to like branch out onto trying different types of films. We got to have these to class us up. And then Jumanji is my, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. What kind of movie list do you have where one of us has Amelie and the other has Jumanji? Not even the good one. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. My list gets even. He said that with a straight face too. God, he did. I wonder how much he was like stressing, bringing that up on pod. Like they're going to, this is why when he told me you. he was in jury duty, I was like, they will either want you on there on that chair or they will like, get that guy out of here. Like, <laughs> he is definitely him. either one or the other. He's never, yeah, there's like, a no, leader. like maybe he'll make it. He's an alternate. No, no, sir. No. Why do you have no shirt, but a tie on? He's like, well, I wanted to dress classy for this. So I, <laughs> oh, fucking donkey Kong. <laughs> Hopefully he hands out some business cards. Yeah, if he's smart, that's a great place. Especially for in prison, dude. They like listen to us all day. Yeah, <laughs> they have nothing we, else to do. They would love us in prison. They would. I, not uh, in that way, but you know, maybe I don't know. Depends what we're wearing. All right, anything you guys want to leave the people with for episode one seventy three, Geiger? Uh, pull over for emergency vehicles. I'm just reading a text message some random guy sent me. That's weird. That's but good advice. It's I like the way you say it. I actually think I might do it. Cycling, how about you? Yeah, I'll go with the uh, traffic-related. Guys, if you're in the left lane on a highway, you better be passing or yeah. going above the speed limit. If you're going slow, the cars on the right are passing you, get the fuck over. Do not let semis go be going faster on you in the right lane. The left lane is for passing and going fast. It's crazy we still have to say that. Nothing makes me more mad. I swear. I'll leave with my new advice, guys. Just please make smart decisions when getting your hair cut. Okay? Yeah. I didn't want to say anything to you. Wait, what? Hmm? I didn't get a haircut. No, I have a cough. Oh. (laughs) Okay, I was worried. Something wrong with my hair. Uh, Because what you're doing, it's not permanent, but uh, a lot of people are going to see it over the next three weeks, you know? So just, especially if we're talking with hair dye, because that's, I've seen some pretty aggressive moves from gentlemen in like their 40s lately. It's blue. All right, for our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli, and our enforcement, the paint, Matt Guy, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. We are the Bro Four Squad podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, anywhere you find your podcasts. Type in Bro Force Squad as three separate words. Follow us on Twitter at Bro Four Squad. 
Check out everything that we do on our website, bro4squad.com. Till next time, we'll see you at the movies. Or taking steroids so we can go hit slow-pitch softballs over the fence. It's better for the sport. Hey, guys, what time does Netflix start tonight? <laughs> Such an old question.